Today's reading is very long, so I hope you're comfortable. <coughs> the reading is verses 1 to 38 of chapter 9 from the Gospel of John. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed. And then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. And the others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say that was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he is our son, the parents answered. 
and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will answer for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him. You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? the man asked. Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. on the screen. This message uh, is pre-recorded and a lot of it stems from John Piper's sermon titled The Works of God and the Worship of Jesus. 
It's a 45 minute video on YouTube, so we'll spend some time introducing it, and then we'll watch just a small chunk of John Piper speaking, and after which we'll hear a real life, in the flesh, testimony from Claire Sykes. This morning we're going to explore the power of our personal testimonies, which, by the way, is a bit of a churchy word, I know. But a testimony is pretty much just a personal story, and as Christians, our personal stories include Jesus and what he has done in our lives. And sadly, our testimonies are often forgotten by us. Or maybe we think that it's just not that important. But if we think that, we're wrong. Our personal stories have immense power. And God can and will use yours to further his kingdom. This morning I hope we can all leave here understanding, not underestimating, our own personal testimonies. That we can see the sheer miracle that it is that we've been saved by grace. And that we would all have a deeper desire to share what God has done in our lives with others. Now, if you don't know who this Jesus guy is or what the Christian faith is all about, don't worry. You're in the right place. Oh, yes, a lot of what is said today is actually geared towards those who are Christ followers. There is something here for you, too. So hang in there with us. Before we launch into it, though, let's pray together now. God, you have done incredible things in our lives. Maybe we recognise you in it all, maybe we don't. Wherever we are with you this morning, would you show yourself to us? As we explore this idea of personal testimonies, would you give us understanding and an open mind to see you at work in our lives? Father, use this next little while to strengthen your church, to encourage us and grow us. Lord, have your way here today, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever felt like you don't know enough about the Bible, or Jesus, or faith, in order to confidently share it with others? I know I doubt myself and my knowledge of all this stuff, particularly when sharing my faith is involved. I mean, what if people have questions that I don't know the answer to? What if the person that I'm sharing with knows lots and lots of stuff about science and can supposedly disprove God? Or maybe they know lots about other religions. Or perhaps they're just plain argumentative and scary. I can, and I suspect you can too, think of a lot of reasons to label ourselves as unqualified to share the gospel. What did we just read about today, though? In the story we saw a man who was born blind and was a beggar all of his life. Think about it. How likely is it that he was educated in anything, let alone theology? Do you think that he could actually match the Pharisees' religious fervour? <laughs> no way! This man, unemployed, very low in society, yet he gave a compelling and powerful testimony. And it was about 20 words long. In the NIV it says this, He replied, that's the blind man, He replied, whether he, that's Jesus, whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. This guy has no idea who Jesus is. This guy is facing fierce scrutiny over this miraculous healing. So much so that there was a real risk of being expelled from the synagogue. Now that doesn't just mean being booted from church, but from Jewish society as a whole. That means his family, his home, his town, all of it would be inaccessible to him if he were to be expelled from the synagogue. 
What does this man say, though? He doesn't present some great theological argument. He doesn't dive into the science and the proof of God. He doesn't compare other religions. What does he do then? He tells them what has happened to him. He tells his story. He tells them what Jesus did in his life. He tells them his testimony. Now, this is a somewhat expanded version of his response that we see in verse 25. I don't know who this Jesus guy is. I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I don't know if he's good or bad. I don't know what you Pharisees know, but this, this I do know. I know it for sure. I was blind, but now I see. No one, absolutely no one, can disprove what has happened. It doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. This man was blind, now he can see. All because of what Jesus did for him. Now let's just briefly change channels here. I'll get off the screen and a man by the name of John Piper will jump on. John Piper is going to say a few things about this particular passage. So, over to you, John. He says, and this is his most famous sentence, people all over the world know this sentence, even if they don't know the Bible. Verse uh, 20, is still 24. Whether he's a sinner or, I don't know. One thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. Now I hope you feel something here. You, you don't think of yourself as a theologian. You don't think of yourself as a scientist. And you got people coming against your faith with every manner of argument, historically, scientifically, experientially, is coming against you if you try to be a bold, regular witness. And I want you to feel the power of this. A personal testimony trumps arguments when they're bad arguments. And they're all bad arguments when they're against Jesus. Don't be intimidated. This man was way less educated than everybody in all these rooms. And he'd been blind all of his life, and he just simply said with all boldness, look, you may know some things I don't know, but I can see. And one of the reasons I teach and preach on the doctrines of grace is because there's so many Christians who don't know how they got saved so that they don't know they have a stunning testimony that they sheer believe. Your belief is a miracle. You didn't choose it. Of course, if you have a theology that says, I did it, then you've got no testimony to the power of God in your life. But if you believe that at age 6 or 16 or 36, when you saw Jesus as needed, and beautiful and sufficient, and you confessed, I'm a sinner, I need you, I receive you, a miracle happened. A miracle happened. That's why these theological things matter. You can stand up in the front of the Senate and say, I don't know much about what you guys deal with here. I just know one thing. I was blind once, and now I see the glory of Christ as self-evidencing and compelling, and I will die for him. I'll stake my life on the truth of what I've seen in Jesus. That's what you can say. 
That's very powerful. It is here. It will come to a point where they can't handle him anymore. So that's what he said. I hope you're willing to say it. I hope you have enough understanding to say it. And if you don't, I hope you study about how you got saved so that you will know if you're saved, you can say it. Me again. Thanks, John. In that little clip, Piper said this. A personal testimony, he even clapped his hands, a personal testimony trumps arguments. And when they are bad arguments, and all arguments are bad arguments when they are against Jesus. Who can disagree with this guy in John chapter 9? Experiencing something like this man did is unreal. It's hard to believe. But when he's literally standing in front of you, it's impossible to disprove. Maybe you're thinking, I've never been miraculously healed like this dude was. I've never seen a miracle in my life. Perhaps this is the case. But if you're a follower of Christ, you have something far more miraculous and crazier than some sort of physical healing. You received an insanely incredible miracle when Jesus opened your eyes to see him. If you're a Christian, your life isn't too different from this man in today's story. While you might not have been healed of a literal blindness or some sort of physical ailment, you were once blind to Jesus and who he is. But now, because of what Jesus did for you, your eyes are open and you can see him. Perhaps like me, you were once doing life on your own, chasing empty, meaningless things, living life never truly satisfied. Before Christ found us, we were all blind to him. If you're a Christian here today, you can celebrate that fact, that you were once blind, but now you can see. You can celebrate the fact that you have been found by Jesus. That meaningless life is now over. Those empty pursuits of happiness and pleasure are no more. A life truly satisfied is a reality for us who have, been, who have had Jesus open our eyes. As John Piper mentioned in that little clip, your belief is a miracle. The fact that we have had our eyes opened by Jesus is nothing short of a miracle. Nothing and no one else could do it. Which is why our simple testimonies are powerful. They are the story of a miracle in our life. Jesus showed us who he is. He opened our eyes to let us see him. When you share your testimony, people might think you're weird. And that's okay. But they can't argue with it because it is your experience and your story. Our personal testimonies are powerful. If you're not a follower of Christ yet, you might be thinking about a, a whole bunch of stuff right now. But can you relate to these questions? Do you ever feel truly satisfied? 
What do you find yourself thinking? If I just had this one more thing, this one more experience, this better job, more money, that house, that partner, a happy family, I could go on all day. If I just had that one thing, then I'll be happy and satisfied. Or maybe, you, do you wonder if there is more to life than just dragging yourself out of bed every day to go to work or to go to school or whatever, to look forward to weekends and holidays, to spend money, to have fun, only to die and become worm food? Or do you think there is more to life than that? The testimony of a Christ follower often starts as mine did. I was once searching for meaning, for purpose and fun. No matter how hard I tried to find it, it always, always escaped me. At best, it was temporarily forgotten when I got that new toy or had that fun experience. But it always, always came back. The desire to find purpose always snuck its way back in. Until, of course... I had another experience or bought another fun toy. This cycle continued over and over and over until Jesus opened my eyes. I saw that this relentless pursuit was meaningless and would always leave me dissatisfied. The life of fulfilment and purpose is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. This fulfilment and purpose stems from immense love. The immense love of God. When I began to understand the sheer size of his love, completely changed me. This love so big that Jesus, God's only son, would come to earth to live, to love and teach, to be killed, sacrificed, to be hung on that cross, to defeat sin and death and rise from the grave. To do all this to wash me clean of all of my sin. What love is this? The God of the universe did that for me. How can I not feel loved and accepted and adopted into the family of God? God approves of me. Not because of anything I have done, but because I know and believe Jesus did it all for me. What a change of perspective for me. My meaning doesn't come from my toys or my fun experiences, my family, my friends, or my vain pursuits of finding purpose. It comes from a God who loves me, who I am. No one can argue against a personal testimony. No one can say that I'm wrong if I told them that once I was blind to what life was about. That is until Jesus found me and opened my eyes. He helped me see what life is all about. He set me free from the relentless pursuit of finding meaning. He radically changed my life for the better. It is all because of Jesus. You can't disprove that with science. You can't say that I'm wrong. It's my personal experience and it is incredible. I long for anyone and everyone to have this same understanding of who God is and what he has done through Jesus. Testimonies are powerful. 
we saw it in today's Bible passage, and we can see it today as well. Now when I say we can see it today, I literally mean it. Claire Sykes approached Etienne a while ago with a desire to share a testimony with Pathway. So, we have the privilege of hearing from her this morning. I'll stop talking now, and Claire is now going to share with us her testimony. So, over to you, Claire. Okay. <laughs> I've changed my mind. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> um, I have never really felt like my testimony was worth sharing. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, um, lovely, wonderful Christian parents, um, Christian, I went to church all my life, Sunday school, Christian school, um, and I never had this great um, conversion story, how my life was suddenly, you know, changed forever and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I am so thankful for the house that God put me in um, and um, the family that he put me in. I grew up knowing who God is. I grew up knowing his sovereignty, his love, his goodness, and that we do live in a fallen world. Um, and the bad stuff is not because of God. He is good. So that's, that's what I grew up with. Um, in 2015, uh, Rob and I had been married about 12, 13 years, um, happily living in Lonnie with our four young kids. Uh, Gabe was six, Will was five, Jazz was two and toilet training and all that fun stuff. And little Josh was 11 months. Um, one afternoon, our lives were changed forever. We had a house fire. Um, I'd gone out with the kids for the afternoon um, to give Rob a bit of respite because four little kids under six are actually <laughs> very loud and very crazy. So he was at home having a nap and the, um, the smoke alarm actually saved his life. One of the songs that we sung this morning reminded me of this little fact as well. Um, a couple of days before the fire, we'd actually done like a little devotion around the table with the kids and... Um, I'd printed out this up on my computer. I'd, I'd done this thing for Psalm 24, verse 1, which actually says, the world is the Lord's and everything in it. Our house is just stuff, and it's God's. He gives and he takes away. Aren't we lucky that we got that stuff for as long as we did? Less than a month later, we had a miscarriage. And... Um, it was a surprise pregnancy, but the loss of that little blessing was actually even harder than losing the house. Fast forward, oh, hang on. So, but anyway, during that whole time, um, we just, I was just relying on who God is, his sovereignty, his love, and his goodness, and his comfort. Um, two years later, two years? I can't remember. 2016. Um, towards the end of the year, we actually had a shed or garage fire. Everything that we didn't lose the first... Oh, in that, that first fire, we lost all of our possessions. Um, the house was brick tile and hardwood, so the house was still standing and they were able to rebuild it, but we lost all of our stuff. But, like I said, 
the world is the Lord's and everything in it. Um, yeah, two years later, we had a shed or garage fire where we lost everything that we didn't lose the first time. So our Christmas tree and all the decorations that we collected over time, um, our, my box of of stuff that I'd managed to salvage from the house but hadn't got the emotional energy to go through. So like the kids' profiles and half-burnt pictures and handprints from kids' daycare and that kind of stuff, that was all in there waiting for me to be able to deal with that's not salvageable, that's not salvageable. Anyway, we lost it all again. 2017, we had another surprise slash shock pregnancy. Um, I ended up sort of spiralling to a bit of a depression, still well knowing God is sovereign, God loves us, God is good. 2018, had little baby David. Um, David means a blessing from God. Um, he was a newborn, he had health problems. I had a business um, and then that collapsed due to um, owners, buyouts and all kinds of silly crazy stuff. Um, my depression that I started when I was pregnant got worse and by the end of 2018 I actually had to spend three weeks with the mother and baby unit down in Hobart. Um, I didn't know how, how, how bad it was until I actually went there and was able just to, to sort of focus and again, God is sovereign and he is good. 2019, three months after getting back from the mother and baby unit. We have another fire. <laughs> um, and this was a kitchen fire. If you want to ask me about all these fires, I can tell you. Yeah. Anyway, my Facebook post at the time was like, um, if this was a movie, you wouldn't go and see it. It is too unrealistic. Like, seriously, who does this happen to? We were actually out of the house at the time. My neighbour called me on Facebook and I just it was just like, what? What? You, what? Like, the stove had got bumped before we left the house. And I just, I just could not believe it. And it was absolutely devastating. Um, the insurance, of course, had to check that we weren't dodgy arsonists. <laughs> and so it actually took them three months to approve our claim, doing all, all the checks, just to check... Because, like I said, who does this happen to? Um, in the meantime, we were hotel hopping with eight people and it was school holidays and Targa. And if you've ever tried to get accommodation last minute for eight people over school holidays and uh, we didn't know where we were going to be in three days' time, it was, it was just awful. And I remember at one stage we were living somewhere near a bottle shop and, and I just there was a temptation just to go there and just... I didn't care what I was going to buy. I just felt, I just, and I knew that I couldn't because I knew that would be, that was a path. And if I started that path, I'd just go. God is sovereign. God is good. It's a fallen world. He loves us. While we were still hotel hopping and trying to carry eight people's stuff around in the back of a van, um, our house was looted because the insurance company hadn't approved our claim. We lost $20,000 worth of stuff. My neighbour sent me photos, and I remember getting this message, and I was on the floor. I was standing when I got the message, and then I was on the floor, and I have no idea, I can't remember, 
Rob was calling to me, are you okay? What's... And I just, I just had to hold the phone out because I couldn't talk. I just was so... <sighs> we, had, we were still parenting, still are, obviously, parenting six children. And it was so hard to put one foot in front of the other. Isaiah 40, verse 29 to 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. I need some tissues. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Thank you. <laughs> During this whole time, um, like I said, God is sovereign. God is good. He loves us and we live in a fallen world. Jeremiah 29.11 I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that was hard to see at times. Um, there's another, sorry, find my Bible verse thingy. There was another one that... Psalm 121 I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He breathes out galaxies. He breathes out suns. He's so powerful. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will not slumber or sleep. The Lord watches over you. He's got this. I might not know what's going on, but he sure does. And he has a plan for our good. I'm so thankful to have a God that is good, a God that loves me, a God that is powerful, and the God that has a plan. Um, all through my life, I've heard this song when I was a kid, and it's always meant a lot to me. And I'm just going to share it with you. Please excuse my all emotional voice. Oh, well. <laughs> I hope you um, like this one too. Anyway. God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand... When you can't trace his hand, when you can't see his plan, trust his heart. That's my testimony. Thanks, Claire. I've never felt discouraged by hearing someone else's testimony, and I trust that this is the case today. 
We're just about done here, but to wrap up this part of the service, I'll steer us towards John Piper once more. Over to you, John. Do you confess him openly and defend him with your simple testimony? No big apologetic reasoning. Some of you are called to that, but most of you aren't. You're just called to be witnesses. You see a car hit a person, you can be a witness. You don't need any, any education at all. I saw. 95% of Christians are saved that way. No big argument, just I saw. Finally, I saw. I was reading my Gospels and I couldn't resist this man anymore. He was real. He's real. He's true. He's exactly what I need. He's what the world needs. He's real. This is not made up. You, you saw. And so I simply ask, do you confess him openly and defend him with your simple testimony? I was blind and now I see. And then three statements. Don't want to leave you with questions. I want to leave you with strong statements of biblical truth. Number one, God has wise, good, Christ-exalting purposes for everything that happens to you. God has wise, good, Christ-exalting purposes for everything, good or bad, that happens to you. Statement number two, Jesus is the path to the full, final, joyful experience of that purpose. Jesus is the only path to the full, final, enjoyable experience of that good purpose. You won't get it any other way. It's through Jesus. And lastly, third, Jesus sought out this rejected blind man, now seeing this nobody, this beggar. That's the way Jesus is. He sought out this absolutely nobody. He had begged all his life. Picture somebody in our culture, right? Not us. We're all jobs and cars, food, apartments. Jesus sought out this rejected blind man, this nobody, this beggar, and he is seeking you right now. That's why you're in this service and heard this story. He wants to make you a inexplicably courageous worshiper of Jesus. That's what he wants to do. Thanks for that, John. And thanks, Claire, as well. Our simple testimony is powerful. God has done a miracle in us. We can see Jesus for who he is. What a thing to share with others. Think about it. Do you have a testimony? Can you tell it? Do it. What a way to encourage others. What a way to tell of God's goodness. What a way to praise who he is. Ask someone here this morning what Jesus has done in their life. 
here is a safe place to be vulnerable. People here love each other and want God to be glorified in all we do. Sharing and listening to each other's testimonies is such a good way to encourage, empower and ignite each other. You don't know how to do it? Think about it. Study your past. Think about your life, BC, before Christ. Write it out. Do something with it. Your faith in Jesus is a miracle. And it is so worth sharing with others. It's an incredible gift to God and the church. Let's pray to finish. God, what a miracle you have given us. You have opened our eyes. You have allowed us to see you and know you. Help us appreciate the wonderful thing you have done for us. Lord, may we be bold in sharing our testimony. May you be glorified in it, we pray. And God, for those whose testimony is yet to be written, those who are unsure of who you are and what you offer, would you continue to open their eyes, God? What a blessing you are and what a friend you are. Thanks, God, for loving us and for changing us and for opening our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. So that just about wraps up this part of the service. So over to you, Andrew, once more. Thanks, mate.